Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Well, as Pastor Steve mentioned, we are looking at John chapter 10 today, the place where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We see shepherd imagery throughout the Bible, so we're going to use a couple of different images as we talk through this today. I'm going to start with Psalm 23. We all have it probably at least close to memorized in the King James. I'm going to use the NIV today just because sometimes hearing a a super familiar scripture in a different translation helps you think a little bit more about the words. So this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And turning over to John 10, this is John 10, 7 through 18. Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep who have not listened to them, I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know the sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep who are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd." The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you for your word, for your promises that it, it is not just an old ancient text, it is a living word through the power of Jesus Christ, through your voice speaking at the beginning of time. Lord, we ask that you would, through your Holy Spirit, make this word come alive to us again today. Lord, awaken our, our minds and ears and hearts to, to hear your word and not only be hearers of the word, but doers also. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in, in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So imagine the scene. Andy Byers preached for us last week, and he was talking about that scene where the, the, the man who was blind saw. And that wasn't just a lovely miracle, it became a controversy. If you remember, the first half of John is all about miracles and controversies, and that was one that was both of them together. So Jesus has, has healed this man, and then the Pharisees gather around him and said, who did this to you? How dare he, basically? And, and the blind man goes from, I have no idea who it was, to, I think this man might be a Messiah to, Lord, I believe. And yet, in the middle of all of this, the Pharisees want to destroy Jesus. They want to tear everything down that Jesus was all about. And, and then we turn to chapter 10, which is an, a, a direct response to their behavior in chapter 9. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This is an incredibly loaded statement. I think we've gotten used to it in the 21st century, but, but Jesus is saying something very powerful here. He is claiming his Messiahship by saying, I am the good shepherd. So let's look at, at what, what it means that Jesus says this, what it means not only in history, but also about his character. And as we look at his character, we'll see more about our own character and how Jesus wants to lead us on the journey of life as we go toward the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. When Jesus makes this claim, he is saying, and we've talked about this before, the I am statements, ego and me. This is I am that I am, the name of God in the Old Testament, who he declared himself to be uh, before Moses in the burning bush. This is an incredibly loaded two words, ego and me, I am. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. We talked a lot about shepherds last month as we celebrated Christmas and thought about how they were sort of the lowest of the low, but then also honored in Scripture. There, is, there are several powerful prophecies and images that, that Scripture uses about, about the shepherd. Obviously, the most famous one is the one we just read, the Lord is my shepherd. Here is David, the shepherd who became king and understands what it means to have a God who is shepherd, a God who tends and protects and provides. So it's this beautiful image of, of God taking care of us and leading us where we should go, even when it is hard. But in several of the prophets, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you see a twisted image of shepherd because now the prophecies are against the shepherds of God's people that are, are going astray. It's the Pharisees, it's the priests, it's the kings, it's the leaders who have, have done badly by the people. Ezekiel 34, um, it says, I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. So he's, the, Ezekiel is written at the beginning of the Babylonian exile. So the people, are. he was in one of the first waves of the, the exiles going to Babylon. There's still some people in Israel saying, everything's fine. I don't see any problem here. And yet their, their wickedness is just compounding and compounding. And so this Ezekiel prophecy is coming against the priests who are, are worshiping idols in the temple. Some of Ezekiel's descriptions are, are just really graphic about the idolatry and even harlotry of Israel worshiping other gods and turning away from, from Yahweh, the, the, the great I am. 
And then in the middle of this condemnation of the priests who don't get God, then there, here is this promise from the Lord. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is chapter 34, verse 11. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. You, you hear the echoes of Psalm 23 in that. He says, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So Jesus, as he is making this statement, I am the good shepherd, he is calling out the priests equating them with the bad shepherds in Ezekiel 34. And he's saying, we, we, God promised to be the shepherd of the people of Israel, and I am he. I am that shepherd. You can imagine the, the, the priest, this is such a loaded statement. The, the Pharisees would have been so offended by what he was saying. Like in this one statement, he's condemning them and claiming God's role in Israel. You can imagine the controversy that must have happened. But Jesus is making this bold statement and saying, I am the one who is going to take care of the sheep. I am the one who loves them. I am the one who will protect them and provide for them. And he unpacks this statement. In, in verse, the verses I didn't read, he talks about how a shepherd guides his sheep and calls them by name and leads them out. The shepherd is the one who leads rather than follows up behind. So he is, is guiding the sheep who trust him and know how to follow him. And in this passage that I just read, he proclaims that he is the gate. So think about a gate when you have a flock of shepherds. I I was in, um, the first time I I spent some time in Kenya, I visited a Maasai village. And it's a fascinating place. They have uh, this, it's almost like um, brush and sticks and stuff that they turn into this big wall. And they, during the day, the cattle are out, all out grazing. And then at night, they bring them all in. So you can imagine sort of, it, it's a big circle and the huts of the village are around the circle and the cattle are kept in the middle. So you can imagine what the dirt looked like in the middle. It's a little gross. Um, but there's a gate to this. And so when the gate is closed up, the lions can't get to the, the cattle. So think about Jesus as that gate. He is the impenetrable wall that is protecting the flock. He is the one that that is allowing uh, the the sheep, the cattle to, to rest in peace, to know that they will be safe at night. Anybody who doesn't come by the gate is not of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the only way in. I'm the only safe way. But there's this, this amazing statement that, that, yes, he has put boundaries on us. He, has, he has, has tucked us in. But when we trust him and are following him, during the day, the cattle are allowed to go out. And so he says that, that the sheep will go in and out and find good pasture. So Jesus is saying, I'm putting up fences to protect you, but I'm also giving you freedom. As long as you trust in me, I will protect you and provide for you. I talk about the word shalom a lot. It's not just peace, it's flourishing. So the sheep will be at peace. They will be protected, they'll be safe, and they'll also be allowed the freedom to, to go to good pastures and to flourish. Whoever enters by Jesus will be saved, he says. Whoever trusts the the gate, the protective wall that he offers. And he's making a very exclusive claim here. Whoever enters by me and not by any other way. 
But when we trust him and follow him, he will provide for us. And the thief is the one that wants to come over the wall or through the, like some other way into the, 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 the pen. And, and they only come to steal, kill, and destroy. You can think of lots of different enemies of the church with the thief. It, it, it could be the Pharisees. It could also be um, just Satan who wants to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. But Jesus is saying, I am here. If you trust me, if you follow me, if, if you trust the fences that I put around your world, then I will protect you and not only protect you, but give you life and life abundant, that true flourishing of shalom. The next thing that he says, as he says, I am the good shepherd, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What an incredibly powerful statement. Jesus is saying, I will die for you. I will do everything it takes to protect you from a wolf. If there is a hired hand like these priests and a threat comes along, they're going to run. And the sheep will have, have been attacked for two reasons. Not just the wolf, but also because of the abandonment of the leadership. And Jesus is saying, I will protect you and I will provide for you and I will lay down my life. I will protect you even unto death. What an incredible promise of God's faithfulness. He will never leave us and never forsake us. He will always be with us and always be guiding us and, and taking care of us. And the incredible thing is Jesus says, I don't just lay down my life. I will pick it up again. He is saying, I will be crucified for you, but I also will be resurrected. This is not, I will die and then you'll get eaten by a wolf. This is, I will die in order to conquer death and conquer everything that comes against you. I will, I have the authority to pick it up again. This incredible statement of power that God has, that, that, that the good shepherd is even invincible to death. Then he says that, that, that we should listen to his voice. I, I love this, um, that, that they will listen to my voice and and. Um, and here in verse, verse 3, it says, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So they, they hear the voice of the shepherd calling to them. I was reading Ken Bailey. I talk about him a lot. He was an incredible Bible scholar, and he's written a, an entire book on the good shepherd. Um, I The last time I ever spoke to him was, um, I think it was in 2014, and I, I literally was sitting at his feet. There was a crowded party, and the only places to sit were at, on the ground. And I was going to sit at his feet because he was so amazing. And he, and he looked at me with this twinkle in his eyes, telling me about this book. And he said, yeah, it only took me 40 years to write. <laughs> but he loved the image of the shepherd. And he looked at the, the image of the shepherd all throughout Scripture, starting you know, from the beginning and through all the prophets and the Psalms and, and through First Peter as, as he picks up the, the idea of the shepherd again. So he is talking about, uh, he, he asked, he, one of the things that he would do in those 40 years was interview shepherds and find out what exactly that was like. And he said, not all shepherds name all of their sheep. Most shepherds have a few pet lambs or pet, pet sheep that, that follow them really, really closely. And those are the ones that get named by the shepherd. Uh, he was saying that there's, sometimes there's, you know, blackie or split ear or <laughs> funny, funny names like that. But those are the ones that are closest to the shepherd and the shepherd names them. So Jesus is saying, I will call you by name. 
because he wants us to be his pet sheep. He wants us to be so close to him that, that he will always be with them and they, we will be special, every one of us. Maybe a regular shepherd would only have pet names for five or six. Jesus has a pet name for every single one of us. He says, I will call you by name, for you are mine. That is his proclamation over us. And as we spend time close to him, we get to know his voice. And we get to know his personality and his faithfulness. My dad had a laugh that you could hear for miles. It was amazing. One time I was a young kid in Kmart and got lost in Kmart, couldn't find dad. And all of a sudden I heard his laugh and I found him in about 30 seconds. I knew his voice. I knew that he was the one that would protect and provide. And as soon as I heard that, I just went straight to him. That's how sheep are made. They, when they hear the shepherd's voice, they instantly are, are excited and want to follow him and know that they're going to be okay. One question that Bailey asked his, his shepherd friends uh, was, what happens when you bring a new sheep into the flock? What happens? How do they acclimate? And he said it, they said it's really hard for them. Because when the, most of the sheep in the morning, when the shepherd comes out and calls to them, they're all excited. They're going to have a party. It's all about good pasture and water. And they're ready to go. And this new sheep basically has a nervous breakdown. Like, what is this? That's the wrong voice. Where's everybody going? I'm missing out on this. And, and they said it takes several days to be able to... Um, The the response was, they have a temporary nervous breakdown. The sheep runs around, banging its head against rough stone walls of the sheepfold, emitting a stream of pitiful, heartbreaking cries. It needs a few days to retrain its ear to recognize the, the voice of the new shepherd. We have to have our ears trained to hear the voice. We get so easily distracted, but Jesus is saying, listen to my voice. It's really interesting in this passage because right after that, he, he talks about the voice. Right after this passage, the first thing that happens, the Pharisees balk at this. They, they, they instantly wanted to fight against Jesus and saying um, in, the, in verse 19, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So you have immediately, you have these false shepherds who don't recognize the voice of God. And these these believers who hear the voice and go, that is the shepherd. Can anything but God open the eyes of the blind? They know his voice. They recognize it. And it's interesting that like right in this moment, you have a fulfillment of the metaphor. These people recognize Jesus' voice. It's an interesting little bit in the middle of the the third paragraph here that he talks about sheep that are not of this pen. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there there shall be one flock and one shepherd. There's this this bringing in, this, this incorporating other sheep. Who's he talking about here? Obviously, he's talking to a Jewish audience some of whom believe and some don't, but he's saying there's a whole lot more going on here than you even realize. I talked a few weeks ago about how God had the plan of bringing the Gentiles in, of blessing the nations from the beginning. And he is saying, I'm going to bring them all in together, and I am going to teach them my voice so they will not be afraid anymore, and I'm going to make you all one flock. 
No longer will it be those people in that church down the road. (laughs) It will be all of us together serving the kingdom of God, all of us protected by the same shepherd, all of us listening to the same voice and being united together. That is shalom. As we are, are at peace with one another, as we are reconciled with one another, Paul talks about the dividing wall being torn down. God is going to tear down the dividing walls. Think about how divided our country is right now. Jesus Christ says, if you listen to my voice, I'm going to tear down those walls that I'm going to make you into one flock. So what does this mean for us on a Tuesday? It is lovely to say, God, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't need anything. But what does it mean for us on a regular weekday? How do we live with this idea of God as shepherd? As I mentioned in my newsletter this week, I feel like the last two years have been, in a way, a a walk two-year journey through the valley of the shadow of death. It has been exhausting. And I think we, we were all tired a year ago, and now, like, people are running on fumes. Their, their fuses are short. They're, they're, it, it's like the littlest thing becomes irritating. We, we have lost grace for one another. We have struggled to, to be united and to, to keep the main thing the main thing because it just feels like we're getting hit from every side. But Jesus is saying, listen to my voice. I will lead you even through the valley of the shadow of death. There are voices that want to say, you know, hey, here's a shortcut. Apparently, it, when, when they went through a valley like this, often there would be thieves like hiding in caves. And so as the flock went by these caves, a thief would hide when the shepherd went by. But then the, the, as, as, as the younger of the flock went by, they would reach out and grab a sheep and pull it in. Can you imagine that, that thief saying, hey, come over here, I'll get you out quickly. And we find out that it's a trap. As we journey through life, we need to learn how to trust the shepherd, to trust that he knows the best way, even when it is through the valley of the shadow of death, even when it feels like we've left a good pasture, that what could possibly be later, but God is saying, I will work all things together for good. I will work even this valley into something that will be life-giving. I will bring you out to a place of flourishing, a place of life and life abundantly. He he makes an incredible statement as he talks about his relationship with the Father. He says, "Um, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Think about that. How well does Jesus know the Father? I mean, is there any relationship that is closer other than, you know, with the Holy Spirit? It's this amazing intimacy and cooperation and glorifying one another. And uh, one of the Greek words to describe the the Trinity is perichoresis, which means it's, it's like an image of a dance. And each of the members of the Trinity are making room for each other. And it's a celebration. God, Jesus knows the Father that well. And he is saying... I want to know you that well. My sheep know me that well. What an incredible invitation to relationship. Some people who are outside of the flock think of Christianity as a list of rules and shame and guilt and rejection. But Jesus Christ is saying, come and know me. I want to know you. I will lay down my life to make a way for you to know me and to know that love and that grace. 
A friend of mine told me yesterday a quote from Brandon Manning. If you haven't read his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, it is very worth reading. Talk about grace. And he said, what he thinks is the first question that God's going to ask us when we get to heaven, do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much I love you? Oh, when she said that, I just felt like, no. <laughs> I mean, how often do we struggle with it? We might know it up here, but do we really know it in here? Do we know that, that, that love and safety and protection of the shepherd? Jesus is inviting us into relationship with him. And one of the ways that we do that is to listen to his voice, to spend time in the word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time tuning our ears to hear his voice instead of all of the other voices out there. There are external voices clamoring for our attention, and there's also an internal dialogue going on that we have to fight with. Bailey, again, says, uh, talking about external voices, with the information technology that surrounds us, never in human history has there been as many divergent, strident voices calling loudly for the attention and loyalty of the flock. Daily, the sheep must consciously seek to ignore these noises and listen for the voice of their good shepherd and follow it. Think about all the voices you get bombarded with, whether it's, it's news or... or um, people that you know that are griping and complaining or gossip or, or just criticism and, and, and anger and all of these voices that try to pull us away from Jesus. The world is saying, hey, come try this. It's great. Hey, you know, they want to pull us away, but God is saying, listen to my voice. And how do we do that? We prioritize his voice. As I was praying about this, I always also felt like we have a lot of voices in our own head. Um, and, you know, there's, there's the tapes that we have that say, well, you're never going to measure up. Or if they only, they love, <laughs> one of my personal favorites, if they only knew, <laughs> they would reject you right out. If they only knew who you really were. And, and we all are afraid of this, of exposure that people will find out who we are. So we, we, we close in, we try to control our life. We, we, we try to re- reject fear by, by closing in on ourselves. We get wrapped up in unforgiveness and bitterness, and we listen to those. Well, they, we rehearse those tapes. I can't believe that person did that to me. I can't believe that person did that to me. When we hear those ex- internal voices over and over, it wraps us into a knot, and we begin to fester. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness that leads to that root that changes our hearts. Are we listening to that voice, our own internal voice, a list of grievances, or are we listening to Jesus Christ? We can love because he first loved us. We are his dearly beloved children. Scripture calls us to take every thought captive, and that includes those critical voices in our own head. Whether they're against someone else or against ourselves, we're supposed to take those thoughts captive. Pay attention to your thoughts today. Pay attention to what, what you're thinking. Are you thinking words of life and life abundant? Or are you thinking words that steal, kill, and destroy? Either yourself or someone else. May God give us the grace in our words to share his grace with other people. Because Lord knows we needed the grace in the first place. We are not better than anyone else. We are just beggars who know where to find bread. Jesus Christ is whispering words of love and grace in us, forgiveness. And when we realize how much we are forgiven, we realize that we can forgive others as well. Another thing we can do is to look out for sheep that are not of our tribe, not of our flock. 
Jesus Christ is constantly looking for the lost sheep, those who need to be brought in. A lot of them won't recognize Jesus' voice at first. They'll panic, they'll run, but Jesus is saying, bring them to me. And, and, and we, we sort of help acclimate them. I've heard a lot of people who may have a, a, an older dog and bring in a puppy, and the older dog says, okay, let me show you how it's done in this household. <laughs> the older dog needs to, to help the puppy acclimate and see how everything works. You know, we're the sheep that need to, to help the other sheep, the new sheep, acclimate to recognize the voice, to say, it's going to be okay. He's awesome. You're going to love this. As we bring them in, as we speak to them, uh, they begin to see the incredible joy and flourishing that they can have under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who lays his life down for you. He is the one who has sacrificed himself. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ lays his life down and has the authority to pick it up again. He has already laid his life down on a Roman cross for you. He has taken it up again. He has conquered sin and death. And you and I, brothers and sisters, can walk in that power of God that he has, has conquered all of these things. And we need not fear, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us and will be with us forever. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.